on the first of the year, and I told you church, regular church folks that you're going to get sick and tired of hearing this, but we're going to get it, okay? Uh, you pick up one of these bookmarks, put it in your Bible, and it's, this is Bible reading that we're all doing together. Now, you might say, well, I've already got some things I'm doing. Uh, nobody said you can't do that anymore. Nobody's saying only read this. We're telling you to do this in addition to what you're doing. And uh, this is all of us reading the same thing, and, and basically this is it. Everyone at Direction Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday, and one Saturday in June. Now you go, well, I like to read on Saturday and Sunday. Well, go ahead. Well, I'm already reading five devotionals as well. Well, go ahead. There's, nobody's telling you to back off. We're just trying to all get on the same page and read this together and be on the, on the same starting point. So pick up one of these, stick it in your Bible. Uh, we do try and post it a couple times throughout the week uh, online so that you can see it as well. Um, but we want you to, to, to read and get the Bible, uh, the Word of God on the inside of you. All right? Now this week we're going to keep talking about God in the real world because, you know, in our lives... We're constantly placed in situations that have the opportunity to either benefit us or hurt us. I mean, that's, that's you know, every day. And, and the Bible actually talks about this. The Bible says, I set before you blessings and cursings. So, I mean, every situation you're in has the opportunity to, to help you or to hurt you. And last week we talked about God is not the means to an end of your problems. And this is why so many people fail in their relationship, because they look at what God is as the means to an end. But he's not. He's a loving creator who wants to have a relationship, come on somebody, with you, and not just a relationship where it's forced, you know, where, I, I mean, I'm related, okay, to my mom and dad, no matter if I'm estranged or not. I'll always be their son, Always. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about he wants to have that relationship, but then he wants to also have what the Bible calls regular fellowship. It's not a religious thing. We're not, we're not doing this because we're trying to put ourselves in a place that God wants, God's going to be convinced that he needs to move for us. You know, we don't serve in church just because we're trying to prove something. We don't give tithes and offerings because we're trying to prove something. We do all this in response to a love, <clears throat> come on, that we're developing for God. All right? Uh, so God is a loving creator who wants to have a, fellowship, a relationship and regular fellowship, or as we'd say it today, hangout time with you. All right? That is the only way you can see the full understanding of what that relationship brings, is to have regular fellowship with God, all right? You'll never know everything it, it, that he wants to put, you know, that he has put into this relationship if you don't have fellowship with him. Bad place to be quiet. If you're not praying, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not you know, spending time with God, you're never going to know everything that he says and does and wants to do. You're never going to experience that. And sadly enough, we're dependent on too many, they're dependent on preachers to tell us everything that we're supposed to know. But if I have a personal relationship with my wife 
and I have to go to somebody else to talk to her or find out what she thinks about me, that's not a real good relationship. Come on, somebody. I, I do not have to go, you know, I'm not in fourth grade anymore where I have to talk to one of my best friends to ask whether or not Jody likes me. <laughs> but yet that's how many people approach God. They go, well, the pastor's going to tell me everything I need to know. I'm going <laughs> I'm to I'm have to approach my priest in order for him to tell me what God thinks about me. You can have your own relationship, and he can talk to you, and he desires to talk to you. Come on, somebody. He wants to be that for you, all right? Now, <clears throat> even though he's not the means to an end, all right, and that he is a loving creator who wants to have a relationship and fellowship with you, part of every relationship, now listen, there's not one relationship that you have that doesn't have this. Part of every relationship you have is enjoying the benefit that the other person brings into your life. Now listen, if we were going to just talk about, you know, romance or marriage or that kind of relationship, the benefit they bring to your life would be, you know, their beauty or their handsomeness. Come on. Or the way they make you feel when you're around them. Come on, somebody. That's a benefit. The way they say your name and your heart just kind of jumps in your chest. That's a benefit, isn't it? That's something that makes you feel pretty good. There are also, in those kind of relationships, the benefit of their strengths that you don't have. There are things that Jody can do. And some of you may be asking, Jody wasn't here last week. She was not here this week. Some people say, where is she? Have you locked her up at the house, not letting her out? I mean, what's going on? Jody is now doing children's. So she's down there reworking that. Um, Greta, our, our children's pastor, got to a place where she, her school schedule is not going to allow her to do that. And so Jody's now taking over and reworking that, re, re, you know, branding it and reorganizing uh, it. And so that's where she's at. Every, if, if you come in here and she's not in here, she's just down in the parking lot in the children's area. Okay? But Jody has a whole set of strengths that I don't have. Now, I'm pretty strong, and I'm pretty diverse, and I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> and I'm modest and humble. But no, seriously, I have, I have a lot of strengths, but Jody has a lot that I don't have. For example, and I was writing these down, I'm like, I'm trying to do this without embarrassing her and me, but I, I got to think of something here. Uh, and so our office at the house has been like topsy-turvy for a while. Like it looks like a hurricane went through there before Irma even. And so uh, I was in there the other day and was looking for something and I couldn't find it. And see, when I go to find something, if I can't find it pretty quick, I get frustrated. And then when I get frustrated, then it gets worse. Come on, somebody. Anybody feel me on that? I just, I, I just don't respond well to not being able to find it, especially when my mind starts going, I have two little guys in this house that I know was probably playing with it, and it's probably under a bed somewhere with dog poop on it because they didn't clean up after the dog, and it's probably ruined. And, and then I get even more frustrated, and then, 
and then I'm starting to see things, and, and I, I just can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and, so I, and so then I'll say to Jody, I'll say, hey, do you, have you, even though I know the chances are good that she probably has no idea where it is off the top of her head, I'll say, have you seen whatever I'm looking for? And, she'll, and, and, and one of the worst things I can ever hear is, I haven't. That makes me go, oh. But then sometimes she'll go, no, but just give me a minute, because I think I might know where it is. And for, for one of the strengths in her, in her is that she can calm down and focus and really logically think it through and find it pretty quick. Okay? One of the other strengths Jody has is Jody can sing like a bird. And, and some even say even more beautiful than a bird. Jody has stood on the platform uh, at some of the largest crusades in America and, and brought down the glory. I mean, and if you don't believe me, we, we actually, while we were fixing up our office the other day, we found some copies of the one and only Jody CD. And so it's out there at the desk. Now, I'm not saying that to sell CDs because it's from 1999 or 2000. So, I mean, it's, but it's that kind of style of music that she used to sing all the time. And she can sing and bring it. And I mean, while she's singing, you're crying. And not because it's bad, but because the presence of God is there. That's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a, a strength that my wife brings. Something else that my wife can do very well is she's good at, br- at, at buying gifts for people that are more like, um, you know, real thoughtful gifts. It's one thing to buy a, a gift for somebody and to show them your appreciation. But Jody will personalize it, she's real, and she's good at it, because she'll listen to, you know, she'll hear you make an offhand remark, and then she'll log that. And then when it's time to, to you know, do something for you, she'll bring that up. Like, example, I said one time, like six years ago, <laughs> we, were, we were coming down here to visit, and I said, you know, the, they have this thing here every year called the Mecham Auto Auction one of the biggest car auctions in the world and it's going on this week and i said man i want to go to that sometime so for christmas this year six years later i open up a pair of tickets to the make auto auction what who nobody said that <laughs> nobody said i can't spend any money how do you know i might have an easter egg sitting around somewhere okay so but I've always wanted to go to it, and, and six years ago, I said, and she, she bought me tickets for it for Christmas. Now, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. She, she had a, a talk with her mom, and her and her mom were having a disagreement about something, and, and, uh, and she went to go pick her mom up at the airport later, and she knows her mom really likes Fritos and Sprite, and so what was waiting on Sharon when she got in the car? Fritos and Sprite. That's the strength of my, now, me, I'd be like, I ain't buying her no Fritos and Sprite. She made me mad earlier. We had a disagreement. It's not a strength of mine. And so I get to enjoy the benefits of my wife's strengths. Now, the strengths that I have that she does, she is shy, whether y'all, she stand on a stage and sing in front of 10,000 people and not blink an eye, and yet if she had to talk to you one-on-one, you have to understand she's really reaching down on the inside to really pull that out, okay? But we've been married to each other long enough now that those strengths, come on, have not just, just standoff strengths, come on now, they're, they've started to rub off on, e- on us, all right? I've started paying attention when she says, you know, something. That means, mm, thoughtful gift later. 
<laughs> See what I'm saying? Okay. So this is, this is part of every relationship, okay? And even though God is not the means to an end of our problems, God's strengths are something that we as believers get to enjoy. There you go. Oh, there's the spiritual point you're trying to make. Okay? God's strengths are something that we get to enjoy and we get the benefit from, and those strengths can, come on, and will change our lives. Come on, these strengths are game changers for us. They're game changers. In every situation that we face, even the little ones that seem to have little to no consequence, you know, if you fail enough of the little ones, it, it'll actually add critical mass. Come on, and it, it, a, a bunch of little losses can take you out just as much as one big one can. So every situation, there's a potential for large failure or large damage to be done in your life. But this is another thing about how awesome God is and how God works in the real world. Here it is. Because of God's strengths that you get to enjoy as a believer, you can have hope in every situation, in every challenge, in everything that you face. You can have hope that a person without a relationship with Jesus can't have. Now, they may hope like the world hopes, okay? But God's hope is a game changer. The more hangout or fellowship time that you have with God through his word and through praying, uh, the more that you start to experience those strengths in your life. And in every situation you face, you can start facing them with hope that this is not going to be the one that takes me out. Come on, somebody. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11 says this, and this is very familiar for people that grew up in church, but some of you that maybe, didn't, maybe not understand that God talks like this about you, but here's what he says. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Come on now. Listen, nowhere does it say God's got a bad plan for you. That should make somebody happy. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future, now catch this next part, and a hope. Hope was God's plan all along. He doesn't want you facing your life overwhelmed with no answer. God doesn't want you to face your life with no answer overwhelmed, so sad, so depressed. God doesn't want you facing that. He paid the greatest price. In fact, it was the highest price. So that you could enjoy the benefit of hope in your life. You can look at an impossible situation and dare to think it's not impossible. You can look at an impossible situation and dare to think this is not impossible. Yeah, but what about physical laws and the laws of science and all this? Y'all know he's bigger than that, right? You can look at something that's impossible and then dare to think it won't be. You can look at the discouraging situations and dare to think, you know, it's really not that bad. Oh, come on now. 
I can look at something that's discouraging and it's supposed to take me down emotionally and make me upset and sad. And with the hope of God on the inside, I can look at that and go, you know what? There's an answer to that somewhere. You can look at, uh, at something that's failing and dare to think, you know, that's, that's going to work out. That's going to succeed. You can, you can have a, a marriage that's full of problems and look at it with hope and go, you know, they are. Come on, what, everything that I need them to be. With a relationship with God, you can have hope. Martin Luther, who was a, a German professor of theology, he was a monk, he was a, a composer, he was a priest, uh, he was the guy that was the... Uh, you know, that wrote the, the thesis uh, and, and really, you know, reformed, it really, really brought about the Protestant Reformation. He said this, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. All right? So let's talk about it. God offers hope. Well, what's hope? Many people believe that hope's like a wish. Like rub the genie lamp, cross your fingers, and I hope this works. Some people look at hope as something they'd like to see happen. But they don't know if it will. It's literally like a craps table. I really need a new car. I really need a raise. I really need a promotion. Hope's more than that. The word hope is a confident expectation of the future. Now, here's what you need to catch. Hope is not, it, it, the reason that, that it, it works in, so, in certain ways is because some people have an expectation for bad things to happen. Y'all know that's hope too? Hope is not just something that you want to see happen. Hope is, an, is objective. It's not subjective, meaning this. It's determined by what, what you're hoping for and how you hope. Really going, I really want this to work out and I hope it does. That is not going to produce anything except fear in your life. You're going to get scared and you're going to tend you know, walk just real tender-footed through everything and just, ah. I really hope this works out. What you're expecting to happen is purely based on what your attention, catch this, what your attention and your focus is on. What you're hoping for is what you are putting your attention and your focus on. It also is determined by what you're hoping for. Okay? Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, actually said this, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. That means that we may have times where things come at us and it disappoints us that I'm even having to go through this, but because I have an infinite hope, come on, I can face this. In our relationship with Jesus, we are given access to a hope that that, the, that here in the real world gives us 
Come on, hope for a different outcome to a challenge. Come on, a hope for a future that will glorify God and brings us personal satisfaction. It also is a hope of an everlasting life after we die. Come on, somebody. There are plenty of people in the world without, with and without God who are not enjoying this hope at all. They're full of hopelessness. I mean, Christians shouldn't be facing this because, come on, hope is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's already in you. But there are plenty of Christians who are facing life full of hopelessness. And the reason is this. Being need-conscious instead of God-conscious will produce hopelessness in your life. Always looking at what they don't have or what they need instead of who they have, come on somebody, in their life. Hopelessness does not come from the size of a challenge. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. If you're on the Bible app, that might already be in there, but you should, you should write it and send it to yourself anyway. Hopelessness does not come from the size of a challenge. Many people think that what they're facing is what's making them feel hopeless. Many people feel that the act of whoever's in power is making them feel hopeless. Many people think that their lack of resources is what makes them feel hopeless. And the list goes on and on. And as we used to say in the radio, and the hits just keep on coming. <laughs> they think that it's... Thank you. They think that that's what's making them feel hopeless. But the size of your challenge is not what's making you feel hopeless, okay? Hopelessness comes from being without God in the world or not knowing what God wants to provide for you. Let's try this side. All right. <laughs> Hopelessness comes from being without God in the world or not knowing what he's provided. Anyone can have hope if they know Jesus and they learn what it is he's provided. Let me tell you something. If you have a need and I give you more than enough money for that need to be filled, do you walk around with your bottom lip dragging on the ground? Come on, somebody. If... I mean, if you need a new car and I buy you a new car do you, and, and you walk around, even if you don't come, if I, if I just called you and said, hey, I got you a new car, come to my house and get it. You, don't, you do not hang up the phone and go, I know he said he got me a car, but how do I know it's for me right now? I mean, how do I, listen to me, that just means you don't know me well enough to know what I've provided for you. Anyone can have hope if they know Jesus and they know what he provides. Your background, your race, your financial status does not matter. Neither do things going on in the world right now. Did anybody see what happened in Hawaii yesterday? 
How'd you like to wake up and have your phone ringing in your ear saying, a nuclear missile is on its way to Hawaii. This is not a drill. Seek cover right now. How'd you like to wake up and get, have a, did you not see that? On the news, all over yesterday. Eight o'clock in the morning in Hawaii. The emergency, you know, the, the beep, this is a test. This is not a test. There is a nuclear missile coming straight for the islands right now. Seek cover. Where, where are you going to seek cover at? <laughs> You're on a little teeny island out in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> okay. They talked to this one guy that interviewed this guy. They said, what were, you, what were you doing? He goes, I was on my way to Starbucks. And my phone went off. And I, I of course, didn't look at it until I got there because I'm driving. And I get out. I get out. And I, I walk in as I'm reading it, and I walk in, and I go, has anybody else seen this? And people are in there crying and weeping. And, and they said, what did you do? And he goes, I just ordered my coffee. And I mean, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, it seems like we should panic, right? It seems like we should, you know, we, I mean, and that's what the news person said. I think this is really going to hit you tomorrow. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, he's, what are you, you going to do? And now, here's the thing. Now, whether this guy is self-medicating, I don't know why, I don't know why he was calm. I can't tell you. But now, it illustrates a great point. No matter what's going on in the world, when you know Jesus, come on somebody, and you know what he's provided, you can look at any situation that comes against you and say, you know what, this is going to work out for my benefit. But you should be freaking out right now. Okay. Why aren't you freaking out right now? Well, because the Lord says that he'd provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, I, I, I put my hope in that. Here's what hope is. Hope is based on who God is and what he has provided. God has provided for you everything that you would ever need and an answer to everything that you would ever face. Come on now. Oh, does he re Really? Let me say it again, because I want you to catch it. God has provided for you everything that you would ever need and an answer to everything that you would ever face. Amen. Come on now, I'm going to say it one more time, and this time, if you just have to fake amen it, just to say I got it by faith, say amen me, all right? God has provided for you everything that you would ever need and an answer to everything that you would ever face. Amen. It's truth. That's right. amen. <clears throat> the reason... People can hope like that is because God, check this, is not limited by the world's resources. Come on, he's not limited by the world's economy. Wait a minute now. Hold on. You're scaring me. Listen to me. If people can be walking around in the desert for 40 years and their clothes never wear out and food rains down from the sky, come on. Food is raining down from the sky. Come on. They get bit by snakes, and he just says, put a, pole, put a, put, put a, bra a, bro a bronze one up on, the, on a pole, and I'll just take care of that for you. But we're dying of thirst. Speak to that rock right there. What do you mean, speak to that rock? Shouldn't I at least hit it? Nope. Just talk to it. 
I don't know about that, God. Wham! I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? God's not limited by the world's economy. If he wants to, he can make it rain down food in your backyard. Come on. And if you don't think that can happen, let me tell you the story about this little village in Africa. Famine going on. People are in the, in the, ta- in the village praying. And one day, a thunderstorm comes over. And you can Google this if you don't believe it. Comes over the village. And as the clouds open up and it starts to rain, it rained down fish into the med- Google it. If you don't believe it, Google it. The village that rained fish. And what they think happened is that out in the, out in the sea, there was some kind of like a little cloudburst, one of them little twister things, and it sucked up a whole school of fish into the cloud. And when it got over and got warm enough over there and you know, over top of the over the top of the ground it rained down fish and it just so happened to be in a village that needed come on that was starving why can people have hope like that because god's not limited by the world's economy he's not limited by physical laws why cuz he created the laws god's not prejudiced Come on, he's no respecter of persons. This is why people can have hope. You can call me everything but a milk cow. My hope's not in you anyway. Go, wow, that's country. It is country, but it's truth. God will do something in your life no matter where you are, what you're facing, who is doing whatever to you. God's provision, come on, is bigger than that. And when you know that, you have hope. My son Peyton has started this little YouTube channel. And it's called, well, actually, it's Preston started it a long time ago. And Preston kind of got bored with it, so Peyton has taken over the reins. And he gets on there and plays video games and plays with the little action figures. And it's called Peyton's Playhouse. And, and all the time, he's asking me, Dad, can we make a video? 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 Can you put a video on for me? Can you make one? And so the other day, he was on a on a weekend, he was asking, he said, can we do it? Can we, can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? And I'm like, I have to go up to church and take care of some stuff. We'll do it when we get back. Now, he goes, okay. Now, this is, don't run your computer down because we got to have that. Because <laughs> he knows I'm coming up here to use my computer. Don't, now, my dad, make sure the battery's charged. When you don't let it get dead while you're up there. And uh, make sure your phone's charged because that's what we use to film it with. And if I say, okay, I'll do it when we get back, Jody says that he'll go in his room and he'll start getting whatever he's getting ready. He'll start getting it ready to play with. Come on. And he starts it. And it doesn't matter if, if whatever, I, whatever I'm doing while I'm here, he knows when I get home, dad's going to make a video for me. We are going to make, and he'll put his little sets together, and he'll put his little you know, action figures out, or, or he'll start looking to see what he wants to play with. What is it? What is that? That is a confident expectation. That's hope for when dad gets home, we're going to take care of business. All right? This is what hope is for you. Now, here's where we are in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm just about done. Don't forget, verse number 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised um, heathens. Uh, you were called that by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. 
In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel, and you did not, now check this, this is huge right here, you did not know the covenant, let me just stop right there, covenant means obligation. Check, listen, covenant means obligation, okay? You did not know of the obligated, takes a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? Obligated promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God. Next, next three words are huge. And without hope. But, come on, look at the person sitting next to you and say but. But, now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Listen, when you have a relationship with Jesus, what that does is it puts mm, it puts God into the situation with you. That should have got a way better response than that. A relationship with Jesus will put God in the situation with you. I mean, come on, think about that. David, you say it all the time. I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will not be afraid. Well, that's pretty arrogant, David. Why can you say that? The follow-up of the verse. For you are with me. Come on. You do not have to face, nor are you facing them, if you're a believer, any of these challenges alone. Unless you choose to. The revelation of not having to face it alone, but facing it with God, and not just God, but everything that he has, and everything he can create, which I think is everything, all right, so uh, brings with it the potential to produce hope in you if you will let it. Jeremy Taylor, who was a, a cleric in the Church of England in the, in the 1600s, and they actually called him the Shakespeare of the divine. He said this, it is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. Well, that sounds great, but I really don't know what omnipotent means, Pastor. I mean, I want to shout right now, but I don't know what that means. Omnipotent, having unlimited power and able to do anything. Get much simpler than that. There is nothing that you can face that is stronger or more powerful than the God we serve. There is nothing that you can face. Many times we give in to the temptation of being depressed if we don't have it all figured out, seeking instead of seeking the one who does. There's a story in Daniel, and we're not going to read it today, but there's a story in Daniel of these three friends named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're told to bow down every time they hear this worship playing, or this or worship as they hear this music playing. And so they're like, well, we're not doing that. And he says, well, if you don't, we're going to throw you in this fire, fiery furnace. And they're like, no, okay. But you should be freaking out right now. Uh, okay. This is a nuclear bomb heading for your, for your island. Uh, okay. We're going to throw you in the, okay. 
They actually said, they go, we don't need to talk about it. We don't even need to think about it. We're not doing it. And, and even in the middle of the fire, we'll be okay. And the Bible says that they went and they, they played the music and they stood there making waves. And uh, so the Bible says that he was so mad that the king told him to heat it up hotter than normal and he threw them in the furnace. And when they got in there, it was so hot, the guys that threw them in died and it burnt the ropes off of them. But then the Bible says that the king looked and saw them standing in the middle of the fire. And then it says, the Bible actually says this, the, the king was amazed and asked, didn't we throw three people in there? Because I see four. And then he says, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. You go through something, when you have a relationship with Jesus, come on, he is right there going through it with you. And he's not just letting things run all over you. If God is standing with you in the middle of something, do you think that he just wants to watch you suffer? I mean, would you? If you were standing there and watched somebody get, getting robbed or somebody getting beat or somebody getting harassed, would you just stand there and watch that happen? Why, why do we think God's like that? God is in the middle of these things with us. He offers hope for a different outcome, a different future, an everlasting life. And that is all things that we can have right now in the real world. So if he is, and he's provided it, and he's obligated to do it, how come we're not seeing it? You've got to come back next week and find out. Heads bowed, eyes closed.